hello and welcome everybody to the LCS Health Service Division podcast. I'm your host for today, Tony Galvan, Director of Health and Wellness, and bittersweet podcast today. It's our fourth and final part uh, with our LCS Resident Advisory Council on our Seniors and Technology series, where we've been covering different aspects of technology um, over the last uh, several weeks here with this um, with this fun group. So uh, I'm excited to reconnect with you all and, and talk a little bit further. But I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little sad actually that it's our that it's our last conversation. So who knows? Maybe we'll uh, reconnect on some different topics in in 2019. Um, but what we've been doing so far is again at a high level talking about a lot of different aspects of technology. So we began our first part um, with looking at technology across your lives and how you experience technology and different innovations excuse me, uh, throughout your childhood, throughout your school years, and especially throughout, throughout your career. And in our second part, we took the time to look at present day, how you're um, using technology. Um, how is it a part of your lives and what are you liking and not liking so much about technology? And then our last conversation, which was our third part, we talked a little bit more about how you are leveraging technology to impact your health and wellness, your lifestyle, your health care, and your overall well-being. So all of these have been great conversations. And um, our general topic for this fourth and final part of our series is what's next for technology. And I look forward just to your perspective on on what you see as being important uh, as we look um, ahead to uh, certainly what communities, what senior living providers such as LCS um, should be doing to, again, best position themselves for not only the current resident, um, such as you all, um, but certainly the the upcoming generations of retirees and, and residents that will um, populate our communities. So um, that said, I'd like to welcome back um, Fred Wilkerson uh, from Whitestone in Greensboro, North Carolina. How are you today, Fred? We're doing good over here in North Carolina. Great. Uh, we also have Ed Seidel with us uh, from Plantation Village in Wilmington, North Carolina. How's it going, Ed? Good. We got our executive director back from Boone, where he was marooned for a few days of 18 inches of snow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we also have with us Dana Robinson from the Cypress of Raleigh in Raleigh, North Carolina. How are you today, Dana? I am doing well, and our snow is rapidly melting, so that's my kind of snow. <laughs> With us also today, we have Bob Bowers from Friendship Village in Dublin, Ohio, and Ann Moore from Pomperog Woods in Southbury, Connecticut. So I wanted to begin with, again, our, our theme today of what's next for technology. Um, again, there's a lot of different directions that we can take with this, but I wanted to begin with within your community. Um, so let's start there. What further advances in technology would you like to see? And maybe um, a couple of the ways to think about this is, you know, consider technology um, within a variety of common areas uh, within your community. Maybe some of these are indoor or outdoor. And, and again, some of the um, specific areas that you might think about are maybe it's your fitness center. Maybe it's where, um, you know, things like computer labs, digital signage, uh, and even inside your home, uh, and you, whether you have an apartment home or a, a villa or whatever it might be, um, within your community, um, what further advances um, would you feel make sense, technologically speaking, that you would like to see? Outside well, of the plantation village, uh, I think we're going to see more personal usage uh, by that, I mean things that we can easily communicate um, with or 
for example, almost a personal assistance with things like Alexa and Cortana and those sort of people uh, electronically and have them do things for us within our apartment uh, that we might not have thought about two, three years ago. So that, that's an interesting point. And we talked a little bit about that last time where, you know, I, I felt like there were mixed reviews on sort of the the importance of something like that, um, where I think the consensus was if that was something that you maybe were accustomed to or maybe in your prior home um, you were using, again, some of those voice activated devices, um, that that would probably make some sense for you. And it would be important for our communities to really start thinking strongly about those. But what I'm hearing from you is is not only that, but even present day, um, that it could be something that, you know, you would feel is, is important and valuable. Am I, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. And, and uh, one example, we have one fellow here who has only one arm, independent living, but uh, I could visualize a lot of things that would may help him in his daily routine and stuff that's probably being done that I don't even know about. But, uh, you know, this, the future is very bright, I think, for opportunities in that area. So you feel like that that focus on, again, voice voice-activated technology, from a convenience standpoint, but also where there might be some um, some limitations, some physical limitations, and obviously within our life plan communities in particular, and even some of our others, you know, we have that continuum of care where um, certainly in, in the higher levels of care there are sometimes lesser abilities, um, certainly on the on the physical side, and so that's where maybe you're seeing some application with uh, you know with some of this voice assistance where there where there could be some limitations as a way of helping out there. Sure. This is Fred from Whitestone. I think that the upcoming technology, there's a couple of things that I really would like to see. And uh, one of them, Ed hinted on the ability to call someone uh, on the telephone without having to touch it or to see it. I've tried to get uh, one of my friends who's uh, quite blind uh, still in independent living, but having, uh, it's actually assisted living right now. But he's not really um, that, he, he doesn't want to switch over to the other. He, he just, he sees that as more of a problem than uh, a solution. And, and when we have that boundary, uh, there's nothing you can do, but I see in the future where just like if I want to call anybody on my phone, I can call Ed uh, in in um, Plantation Village in Wilmington, and all I got to do is say his name, and it'll come up and and call goes through. Things like that are really um, advantageous if people would think about it. Yes, you have to have it programmed first, but we can have IT people do that. There's no problem on that. Um, just like um, people coming in with uh, in college having uh, iPads, They're, they actually bought them, but uh, it is given to them by the, the, uh, the school itself, the university, 
we could do something like that with our phone system with iPhones. And in doing that, they also have the ability to FaceTime whomever else that has an iPhone or iPad or computer uh, in their uh, family or whatever. I mean, things like that are important to, uh, well, to me and to a lot of people that I've talked to. Uh, and, and the iPads on, um, as you come into the building would be really advantageous too. Um, saying you are here and uh, giving you a map and letting you go to different places within the iPad, uh, program to see what's going on. That, um, I think would be great. And I think we're going that route, but slowly. Um, I have a follow-up question uh, regarding that, Fred. Um, I, I think you're spot on with a lot of what you're saying, and, and we're seeing different companies and different product providers sort of start to address that. And, and a lot of what you're speaking to is is already built into a lot of existing technology. But I think to your point, there's a learning curve, and the simpler we can make those types of things, the better. Um, I, I, I find interesting what you said about um, kind of the uh, the iPad or the tablet device that maybe is, is is given to residents and it's sort of presumed that as part of living here, here is your, you know, your device that's going to help you be connected and, and again, part of it might include, like you said, um, you know, connectivity to either others within the community or, or folks outside of the community. Do you feel like... Um, you know, I mean, iPads certainly have come down in price over the years, but it's still something that is an investment. And you think about, especially on the independent living side, um, communities could have hundreds of, of independent living residents. Is is that something that you feel um, communities should just be thinking about and, and budgeting for? Um, and or is it something that you believe um, uh, residents would be um, willing to pay for, uh, willing to invest in, or maybe something that gets bundled into your um, entry fee or your monthly, monthly service fee, um, that, that because there is that tech-based expectation, uh, when you think about, again, providing a device, if you will, or, or other hardware pieces to all residents, or at least those that are interested, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are in terms of how that gets paid for. I would say go ahead and put it in uh, your package uh, when you arrive. If you need to have that put in a monthly basis like our Wi-Fi, then we can do that. But I've been in touch with my uh, plant ops director here, and he says through Verizon, he bought a couple of phones for a buck, a buck each and their iPhones, and their iPhone 6 Plus or uh, 8 Plus, one of the two, I can't remember. But that is, we could do that in bulk, and we could have all the information that we need to at a finger's touch um, on the iPad. And uh, we could have it set up so we have our program uh, and it goes immediately to that program. And if you want to go to Safari or, or search the web, you can go that route. But yes, all of the questions that one has when they move in could be basically answered with an iPad. All they have to do is say, I want to know something about what I do if there's a 
a problem with my my stove. So you go to that part. I mean, it's it's um, it would be so much better. I'm thinking. Uh, Ed Seidel again. Uh, I we have here the senior portal, which is is slowly gaining acceptance. But we can do a lot of those things Fred's suggesting. Uh, and one of the things we've done uh, as an adjunct, uh, we purchased this Brain HQ program, which is a, a program designed to help our uh, acuity and mental acuity. And uh, they, for the program, our leisure services group has given us each a, an iPad to use with the program installed on the iPad and I see that as, as an opportunity to be married up uh, have the senior portal program on there you'd have an awful lot of information that you could use immediately from right uh, everything from ordering a meal to from the dining room uh, to uh, setting up your transportation to outside affairs and on and on, and we're we've got a lot of that going now in the senior portal, which I'm excited about. This is uh, Dana Robinson, and uh, we have the senior portal, and it has the potential of being a really fine thing, but it does take infrastructure to support it and keep it current, and that is a problem here at least. So um, yeah. I think it has greater potential, at least for us, than it's actually being operationalized. But I think it is a good thing. And I like the idea of iPads being bundled in to the cost. Uh, it's just a part of the package. So people have them. And then, of course, the community needs to orchestrate ways to help people uh, who are not comfortable with that technology learn to use it. But I think we would have more people using technology if they were facilitated in that way uh, than is true at the moment. I agree with I that totally. And if if we had an IT guy or gal um, here, that would that that is part of LCS. That would be part of the, the solution because mm -hmm. they could go immediately and get things together with uh, uh, teaching labs, one-on-one uh, -on -one labs. I mean, I've done that here. And, uh, I've done both. I've had a, a class with iPad for a whole year each week. Um, and I've learned that certain things you have to go over and over again, just like you did with, with uh, when you were a kid. Um, but if you had an IT specialist here, that handles all of the information that you were talking about, Dana, and you were talking about Ed, all of yeah. that within system, not only for residents, but for um, uh, staff, everything. Um, that would be a key point in my estimation. That would kick off the technology within the uh, community. And people would, as Dana say, said, would want to probably go with it. Uh, and, and then as far as keeping track of the iPad or whatever, you have one computer that has all the iPads listed. 
and where they are and so you won't ever lose it if it's stolen you can get to it immediately i mean there's so much technology that is for safety um in that respect too so it's just a plus plus situation in my opinion um i would like to uh talk about another um piece of technology i'd like to see more of um in the near future even and that's smartphone uh, homes. Um, I'll give you an example. Here, at least at Cypress of Raleigh, our thermostats are the old on-off. You know, you can't program them. Um, and it seems to me that there are so many things that can be uh, made uh, to uh, operate in the smart technology mode uh, that I would like to see more of that coming into the communities um, as we're moving forward. That, that is a space that we're trying to get into a little bit more, and I know that on a community-by-community community, uh, basis, um, you know, some communities are trying to figure it out, like how do we, you know, have, uh, again, sort of a technology package within uh, some of our homes that, that somebody could, could go ahead and use, and certainly corporately, um, I do feel like we're trying to identify the right, uh, again, type of type of package, if you will. It's such a congested space. Um, these days to, to try to determine what's going to make the, the most sense. Um, but I, th I think for the reasons, Dana, that, that like you're saying it would be valuable, that's exactly why we're trying to learn a little bit a little bit more about it. And, and it sort of connects back to what um, uh, Fred was saying with the, uh, you know, with the iPad. You think about how you would then end up controlling, uh, you know, that, that application for that thermostat or for whatever it might be, your, your lights or whatever. Um, a lot of that would go back to that tablet or your smartphone as a way to, you know, help you, you know, help you manage that. So I think we, we go back to that sort of one device that could, um, and, and the gentleman had, had great examples on, uh, you know, not only is it where you would, you know, look at your portal, um, again, whatever portal you might be using, uh, where, where you might have your um, kind of your apps that help you with your health and wellness. Um, and, and in the case of uh, um, Ed's example, it would be like the Brain HQ um, app as an example. And then also then combined with some of your smart home technology. So a lot of it seems to be going back to that that one centralized device that, um, you know, that would be helpful. And and your point on, on having kind of the, the, the infrastructure and the staff support um, for that is something that is incredibly well taken. I wanted to comment on that briefly. Uh, you know, it is something that we see quite the spectrum with. Uh, you know, we talked again through our earlier podcast on how technology has just evolved big picture. That is absolutely the case within senior living. And uh, more and more, we're seeing community staff um, for these um, IT type positions. Uh, and it's very unique um, where, where there might be some IT support. Maybe historically, it's been more um, towards you know, the printer broke or the copier needs fixing or the internet is down and it's been more of that kind of staff support. Um, but we've seen a lot more with resident support and I and I think we're gonna see a lot more of these hybrid roles and positions where um, the, the individual is, is tech savvy. Um, you know, they know how to, um, you know, fix something if it breaks, but at the same time, they have that kind of life enrichment, community life, 
um, uh, sort of feel about them where they're also responsible for, for programming. Um, and a lot of it would be, you know, leading, you know, like a computer club or leading the education for um, teaching residents how to use the resident portal, um, teaching residents how to use the tablets, etc. So we, um, we're seeing a lot of that more and more. And it wouldn't surprise me in the next five to 10 years if that's just a standard position um, like a lot of the others that we tend to see in our communities. I hope it will yeah. be because I see the way it's going. I mean, there's technology is just going to double and double uh, exponentially. Uh, we've seen that in the last 50 years. Um, so if we get on the ground floor where we're past the ground floor, but if we get in on it um, corporately, and have that set up so we do have an IT person and he can help design or she can help design what goes into the homes uh, as far as the iPad or whatever, then that would be exceptional. Because for instance, with my iPad, if I'm on it and my phone rings, I can answer it on the iPad. I mean, it's that simple. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to work hard after you get it. And after I sets it up, there's nothing more. You can have the directory, the whole thing. Um, and all you do is say, I need to call the, the front desk and it'll call it. Or write a text message or an email or turn your lights off, like you're saying. You don't need Alexis. <laughs> You have one shot right there. Yeah, I think uh, the the issue, and again, I'm just talking about the community that I live in, but it sounds like it may be similar. There needs to be more internal tech support available to members as well as to obviously the staff. And um, when we bring in uh, capabilities like the senior portal, the infrastructure that needs to go in, not only to develop it, but to maintain it, needs to be considered. And otherwise, it becomes actually frustrating, and people stop using it because it's not doing what right. it's supposed to do. Um, I, I'd like to also say that another area that technology uh, I know is capable of doing, um, but at least in our community, we don't have this technology. We use a PERS system, P-E-R-S maybe. I don't know if any of you have the same system in our homes, um, but it's, it's definitely not uh, contemporary with what is capable. So if you are wearing uh, your uh, PERS system you know, around your neck or whatever, carrying it, and um, you fall in the garage, um, it's going to notify that you've fallen, but it only notifies that uh, you're home. So people are going to go to your home. They're not going to know you're in the garage. So your location is not going with your situation. And that oh. is definitely not appropriate uh, and not what we would want for the future, for sure. Um, this is Anne Moore. I just joined. And uh, we have a new system around our neck that if we need help anywhere on the grounds, they can locate yeah. us. Yeah, that's what we need, yeah. Where we live, a lot of people walk right outside the perimeter. Um, that and So to me, there should be a geographic, you know, like a radius 
that it would indicate where your GPS through GPS where you're located when you're having a problem. Yeah, um, we, we have that now. Ed Seidel at Plantation Village. Uh, we've had this now for two and a half years. It'll pinpoint where you are within about three yards on the yeah. campus. It's great. Uh, a follow-up question that I have for you all regarding that. Um, you kind of read my mind with switching up um, the gears a little bit, Dane. I was going to start asking about, again, more from like a safety, healthcare delivery standpoint, again, what what you all maybe were um, thinking about or, 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 or hoping to see as far as future advances in, in technology. So um, thanks for reading my mind on the segue. Um, with with those um, like pendants and, and kind of necklaces, uh, and, and, and we see a lot of that, um, and, and to the gentleman's point and to Anne's point, some of that, you know, does have GPS already included to be able to, you know, really track your location um, uh, to the foot. Um, I, my, my question, though, for you all is... Um, is that something that you feel residents across all levels of care, you know, especially independent living, uh, when you think about wearing, again, that pendant or even a wearable? We're, we're seeing a lot more um, of like wrist-based um, devices. Uh, maybe they're a little bit more discreet um, and they're not really Fitbits like what we were talking about earlier. They're very specific for, again, more of the safety uh, consideration, fall tracking, um, things of that nature. Um, is there any sort of hesitation or stigma um, with with wearing those in any way, or is that something that you feel just sort of culturally within a given community? It's just it's just assumed to be the norm, and it's and it's fine. It's it's not something that you know providers or operators should worry about. Uh, Ed Seidel again. I have some personal experience with that. A friend of mine was. Mr. Grumpy, he said, I don't need that. And then he had a little <laughs> fall. And suddenly I noticed yeah. he's got his own all the time. So, yeah, there's always going to be a small percentage initially who will say, we don't need that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. We, we just instituted this a few months ago, and I would say most people are wearing them either around the neck or the wrist, but some will not. And <laughs> as people fall, they will get them, and uh, <laughs> it, it, yep. it will become universal. But I don't think that there's any stigma to it oh, I agree. from that standpoint. Yeah, here at Cyprus, um, again, from an independent living perspective, um, I don't see a lot of people wearing them, um, and, um, and I don't. Um, so I, I don't know that it's a stigma. I just absolutely don't feel the need for it yet. But um, the, um, I think the idea of a wearable that is more discreet is a really good idea. Um, so I, I just don't uh, – I, I can't give you a percent, but I know I don't see a lot of pendants. We'll put it that way. Yeah, and the and the wrist-based wearables, they're, they're still relatively novel. Uh, we, we hear from companies – all the time <laughs> that you know with their new version of that and I feel like they're trying to strike a balance between that discretion um, so that people can can be okay with taking that that precaution and erring on the safe side prior to something happening right because to your uh, to the couple of examples that we just heard unfortunately sometimes it does take for that incident that fall or that event to take place before you finally realize okay you know maybe I should um, you know try to you know invest in one of these devices to be on the on the safer side of things as well so 
Ed Seidel. Um, I think some of these macho cats come in, you know, and they uh, <laughs> I'll need that. And there are macho women, I think, who do the same thing. <laughs> the bottom line, the bottom line is, it's preventative maintenance. That's what we're talking about. And you can't wear if you're not wearing it, you're not preventing anything. Well, uh, and you never right. know when something's going to happen. Uh, you know, they talk about the silent heart attacks and. You might be out here walking or running or something or jogging and you're alone and all of a sudden something happens and there's nobody around. Whereas here you have a friend right on you. Yep. Bingo. The, uh, the other um, component of technology that, that I'm seeing a lot of um, these days too is, and it's probably more meant for, for your actual home, um, but it's a lot of passive um, sensor-based technology. So these are these are sensors or devices that, that kind of speak to a hub of sorts where you wouldn't have to wear anything. Uh, so it has applicability just for your just for your apartment home and it's really just just looking at behavior over time. You know, we tend to be creatures of habit uh, and that's more than just the saying. We actually tend to behave, you know, very similarly with our patterns. And what these devices are doing is they're just looking at behavior management over time. They're looking at patterns and this is all talking to these algorithms and using predictive analytics um, it's speaking to a back-end system where if it's noticing that something isn't quite the way it usually is that's where again maybe it's staff or you know there could be alerting of some sort that is letting is letting that person know hey look uh, you know mr. so-and-so or mrs. so-and-so things are a little bit different than they usually are and it's looking at things like movement temperature, um, uh, just a lot of different factors that are being sensed as a way of, again, just, just looking at what's normal versus maybe not so normal. So any, any thoughts or perspectives on, on that across levels of care? Oh, boy, Ed Seidel. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> if great. I could turn it off on occasion, it would be fine. <laughs> I don't want 100% surveillance on me about anything, patterns or otherwise. And then maybe I got a pattern I want to try and I don't want anybody to know about. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have to have someone monitoring it 24 hours a day? No, it's more of, uh, you know, that you're, you're back in, and these aren't cameras or anything like that. It's more of, you know, just sensors and, and, and not to say that it, that it couldn't be any, anything like that. You know, there, there certainly are those types of systems as well, but it's more of looking at changes in, in behavior where, um, you know, getting up to the bathroom more often than not, or, um, uh, again, you know, having fallen or, or gait patterns changing in a way that might be indicative of some muscular weakness or, um, pain or, and, and something like that might increase your fall risk. So, um, again, it's, uh, it's something that I think, uh, those who are developing those types of devices and products, in, in all honesty, I think they're still trying to figure that out. Um, but part of what I think is important to do is to ask folks like you all, you know, what, um, and, and, and while humorous, I think your, your response is valid. Hey, look, I, I, uh, don't always want to be kept, kept track of. And, and sometimes where we see the application is, is when there are couples and, you know, maybe there's a significant other and maybe both folks are in independent living, but maybe there's a significant other that, um, you know, wants to just better keep track of their loved one and they can't always be there. You know, you're out in meetings or you're out, you know, on, on, 
in group outings or you're out doing programs and your loved one is at is at home and they may or may not be receiving extra care but you know if you could have a way of just just keeping an eye out and being alerted when there are kind of changes if you will um, that's also where some of these products are trying to position themselves as as help for that for that caregiver that is also a resident I would uh, suggest that I mother can do too much yes <laughs> I, I, that's correct. Yeah, something like I that think, would need, well, need to be able to be deactivated as well as activated. Right. Have an amen. Yes. And in my in my opinion, though, uh, this is Fred from Whitestone. That would be more of an uh, assisted living and uh, above, not IL. Um, IL you are responsible and you remain responsible until you're not. Um, and what you're talking, what they're talking about is really interesting, but, and it's been going on for five years at least that I've, uh, that I've been list, uh, reading and listening to. But what we have in place right now at Whitestone is intrusive enough. When we get up in the morning between say five o'clock and eight o'clock, we have to press that button or we will get a call from security. And that oh. that's fine right there. I mean if and that's part of the the emergency alert. If if it's not activated between such and such a time, then it notifies security and medical. Um, that's enough in in my opinion for IL. If you do need something else, yes, there are um, uh, cameras that are Wi-Fi have the ability and can be monitored on a phone, a smartphone or an iPad type deal uh, for the loved ones or um, staff. But that is a different level, in my opinion. Yeah, so it sounds like there's there's certainly a balance, right, that needs to be be struck. And um, I hear a lot of that type of feedback, um, Fred. Like like what you're saying. Well, it's independent living, quote unquote. So so shouldn't there be um, almost zero involvement? Uh, and and there's a spectrum even even to that um, because some feel like, well, wait a second, you're you're more than just a tenant though. You're a resident, and, and we care about your well being. And so um, to your point on. You know, maybe for you, it, it's enough to just do the daily check-in, and that's fine. For some, that might be even um, too excessive, and for others, that might not even be enough. So, I think it's just, it's always a fine balance of, you know, where where there are gr- good intentions. You know, how do we um, not be overly invasive, right? No question. Correct. So, so we've talked about. Uh, again, more of like a like a lifestyle convenience aspect of technology and what you all would look forward to seeing. Uh, we've talked about safety and, and health care to a degree. Uh, and again, what, what some of your thoughts are on, on that and even personal technology to a degree as well. Um, what about health and wellness? So that was our last topic, right? You know, how you're currently using um, technology to improve your health, your fitness, your well-being. Tell me a little bit more about what maybe some expectations are in that realm of things for you all as you look ahead to the future. Uh, Ed Seidel, Plantation Village. Uh, one of the things that's come on stream in the Wilmington area is called My Chart, and uh, all of our health data is programmed into that yep. through our Wilming, uh, our um, Hanover 
county, um, let me get regional hospital system here. Uh, my wife particularly is, is uh, uses that extreme extremely because she can go in for a blood test in the morning and afternoon when she's home, get the results. Uh, she's she's a cancer blood cancer patient, but it's the same thing like uh, going over to your doctor and say, when did I have that pneumonia shot? And they pop it up on the screen and said, oh, you had that in 2016. It's really quite a fancy system, and I hope it extends and ties into other communities, you know. So that that comment, um, Ed, is almost a, kind of a hybrid of what we've been talking about, it, and we touched upon it. I think you brought this up in a prior podcast where that idea of it's not so much like what your current portals can do right now. That's more of community-based information, right? Like what's for dinner? What are the events for today? Is the mail here? Um, you're talking a little bit more of... Um, of, of health information and more of having that that sort of a of a portal so as your care is being managed and coordinated and and different people are are touching that health navigation experience almost like where is the hub of that information and how are you um, privy to that and, and have access to that and how might others that touch that healthcare again experience for you um, having access to that as well so do, do others have have thoughts on that in terms of your 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 health information and as you're going to see doctors as maybe you for one reason or another need to go to the hospital possibly need some short-term rehab again almost that transitional care, um, how technology might be leveraged in that regard? This is Anne. We have that with our doctor that we can um, access our most recent records on the iPad or wherever um, with our latest test results. Yeah, I have that too with our doctor. Yeah, but it's a provider, not a community. Uh, No. Issue. It's really the provider issue. Right. The medical yeah. provider issue. Yeah. You know, uh, Tracy sent out a video when we first started working together on uh, near term future life of a senior. And it shows how we you might have access to doctors uh, just uh, right in our home looking at our uh, results. Um, I would love to see that coming. Uh, I don't know if that's how realistic that is, but I thought that was great. Yeah, so that uh, I think I might have scratched the surface on that during our last call when we were talking about healthcare um, and technology. But yeah, the idea of virtual medicine and telehealth and telemedicine, that is something that we are absolutely um, looking into and exploring. And it's not you know, something that, that our communities are very much interested in. And I feel like they're leveraging more so uh, in, in the skilled nursing environment um, as a way to manage those residents and those patients and to really help prevent um, unnecessary readmissions as an example. Uh, and, and like a lot of what we've been talking about throughout our conversations, a lot of the healthcare ways of leveraging technology seem to be at least a little more applicable in the higher levels of care. So again, maybe in in an assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing setting. But again, it might not be limited to that. I think that's where um, even in an independent living setting, there could be where appropriate some, you know, some application to some of these things that you're talking about. And even if it's on a very acute basis and, you know, you just aren't feeling well and, and, and a way for you to, again, virtually 
you know, see a doctor or see your doctor, you know, that could be um, something that, that is uh, important. Um, but also for independent living residents, many of your neighbors, you know, they're um, going out to the hospitals, they're doing some short-term rehab, and they're coming back to independent living, aren't they? And and that's where they live, and that's, that's their home. And so um, being able to have their care managed and coordinated in a way that is leveraging technology through some of those examples, like you mentioned, Dana, is something that um, that we're seeing is applicable and that we're we're hoping to leverage as well. Good. So um, I would like to thank uh, all of the guests uh, from from today's uh, podcast. So thank you all very much, uh, and not only for your for your time today, um, but for your time over these last several podcasts. Again, it was uh, um, a lot of fun, uh, very interesting. Um, I certainly learned um, quite a bit, and I hope our our listeners out there fo- also found it to be um, interesting and and helpful for them as well. So I want to thank you all once again for for participating. Oh, it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Legal Disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.